What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Just wrapped up a three-game series out in LA where James actually happens to be. Got out to a game today. Mets took the series two out of three games, which is fantastic because the Dodgers, as we know, are always a very good team. This year, they're a little bit different than we've seen in the past, but still very, very solid. The Mets to go into LA, win a series, absolutely huge. James, I know you were at the games. How were the vibes out in LA? Dude, vibes out in LA, just so vibe LA in general, of course. But just being at Dodger Stadium, first time I've ever been there. It's only besides last year, Camden Yards. Those like these are the first two new stadiums I've been to in a very long time. So just very fun to always go to a new ballpark and just it's a whole new feel. People, I don't know. It's very it's very different than going to a game in New York. Like there, I have a, I have a notes app on my phone that I was keeping of the game today to highlight the, the weirdest and craziest things I saw. One of the funniest things was that um, I ran into someone getting a thread head down the tunnel when I walked in. Mike Nicky's jersey. I think his name was Charlie, but I forget. So shout you out. Listener to the podcast. Had a nice conversation, him and his son. And um, we were just talking, and there are these, like, seats around the concourse where, like, you're sitting, like, you're not in the in the stands, but you're on, like, a high-top chair, like, with a little table, like, for concessions, whatever. So, so you know, you never really know if those are the tickets I, like, bought and sold or just places to chill. So we were sitting there talking, and security guard walks over. He's like, hey, guys, uh, you have, do, do you have tickets for these uh, seats? We were like, no. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to move. People paid for these tickets. We're like, okay, no worries, man. He's like, yeah, so sorry to kill the vibe. <laughs> like security guard apologized for killing the vibe by, <laughs> for doing his job, which I thought was a really funny one. Some other things happened today you guys might not have seen on TV. There was someone who ran on the field right after yeah. the David Peralta home run. He got all the way to the infield. He got tackled really? like in between first and second base, yeah. And Dodger Stadium security has been kind of like, I don't want to say in the headlines, but has been getting some press recently because you had the guy who proposed to his girlfriend and got yeah. absolutely Bang. leveled. Yeah, crushed. That was one yeah. of the best hits I've ever seen on a baseball field. The kid today, he had a nice juke move at the end. He didn't get a solid hit. The security guard was really trying to line him up, but he he dipped and dodged a little bit. And he came from the outfield, from center field, which is where I was sitting. So yeah. me and my friend who I was hanging with watched him hop over the fence. We were like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and then his this kid's friends very clearly like had their phones out were going over the tunnel watching him get like taken out handcuffs so that was nice. just california teens are fearless um there was a lot of mets fans there too today i don't know if you guys of can course. see on tv especially behind first base which was where um which is where the uh, mets dugout was which is weird because city field the mets at home are also behind first base it's completely up to the stadium because like yeah. every stadium is different with whether they put the home team or not for sure so that was cool just a lot of people there it was also kids day and a noon local time so there were a billion children screaming about Why are they everything. not in school? I said the same thing. I couldn't believe it. There were like so many different cohorts of like elementary schools at the game. Like they were honored on the screen. They were waving on the jumbotron. They were so so freaking loud, screaming Dude, about ice cream. Westfield really slack and not sending any elementary schools to games. We never. I never went to a, a sporting event with my school. That's crazy. Yeah. But the other side of that is, uh, how, how far do you think was Westfield, New Jersey from City Field? That could be hours to get there. And back. Yeah, this was probably far. like a mile and a half. <laughs> like this is right there. They were also, I, I knew like you're in LA, like there's going to be this, but I was shocked by it. I think the number one jersey I saw in Dodger Stadium was Kobe Bryant. That makes sense. Like, and it was Dodgers, Lakers, eight and 24, and like a couple lower Marians, of course. They were absolutely everywhere. Every single jersey was Kobe Bryant. Let's see some other ones here. Uh, <laughs> How was the Kobe traffic? Bryant. How was the traffic getting there? So the traffic wasn't that bad. I did a bunch of Reddit research beforehand, which is, of course, I love to do that. And apparently, like, the hack for the locals is you drive to Union Station, which is, like, in downtown L.A., but a few miles ahead of the stadium. You park there. It's, like, 10 bucks to park there, and you hop on the shuttle. It takes you there, free with game oh. ticket. And drops you off right by the center field entrance, and you walk right in. Wow, that's good to know. I'm going to use that now because if it's if I'm able to go to more Dodgers games, I will visit L.A. more. But the traffic when I went 
to the one where Pujols hit 700, it was like, it turned me off. I'm like, I don't really ever want to come back here. For sure. And we got buried a little bit on the way back, but like it wasn't really that bad. It seemed like normal, like any kind of big city traffic. And here's another one. It was kids day, right? So there were kids like screaming for ice cream all around me. One kid was just hounding the ice cream guy going up and down the sections for like two straight innings. The guy kept like brushing him off. He's like this eight year old yelling at me. He probably doesn't have any money. So eventually he's like, you got, you got money? And the kid's like, yeah, he holds up a credit card. The guy's like, all right. So he walks over, they rendezvous, gives him an ice cream sandwich, gives him the credit card. The kid opens the ice cream sandwich, devours it in a half a second. He was basically done with it. And the guy's like, this credit card doesn't work. And he goes to the kid, like, do you have anything else? Do you have cash? Do you have another card? The kid's like, no. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> the guy said to, to walk away and eat it. What a it good really, scam that kid was running. Yeah, I, I think the kid was being genuine, if I'm being honest. But it was really funny that the guy was super hesitating to give the kid time of day and actually accept his foreign payment. The payment did wind up bouncing. No, I mean, that's you feel bad for the kid. I'm sure he wasn't actually of course, yeah. scam. And then the last thing I want to mention that was just cool, that's I know something you and I like, like rap hip-hop music. Ton of that going on in the stadium the entire game. Just they're playing a lot of Tupac, Dr. Dre, like Snoop, like in between innings, like on the organ to like lead yes. into Let's Go Dodgers. And the craziest thing by far, every team in baseball has seventh inning stretch and then their own song, you know? Like the Mets do seventh inning set, stretch and then Chella Luna. The Red Sox do the seventh inning stretch and then Sweet Caroline. The Dodgers did the seventh inning stretch into the Rough Riders anthem by DMX. Wow. It was, first of all, he's an East Coast rapper. He's from Yonkers. Like that's. Yeah, wait, what? Yeah. But, and, and like I was sitting there like, this can't actually be on right now. Like that's an intense, vulgar song. And they were, <laughs> it was the clean version, of course. But I was like, I literally can't believe I'm sitting in the Dodger Stadium at 145 in the afternoon and DMX is playing on the speakers. But it is an absolute heater though. It's a banger. Oh, to- total banger. But yeah, those are, yep. those, those are the sights and sounds from Dodger Stadium. Definitely, yeah. No, Dodger Stadium is pretty cool. Did you get Super a Dodger show. dog or no because of the gluten? The gluten, yeah. I mean, yeah. Do- Dodger Stadium does the same thing that City does where you can just like bring some snacks. So I just That's brought cool. a couple snacks. Yeah, I went to the convenience store beforehand. Nice, had a nice, nice assortment. Yeah. Uh, of course, in this game, in this series too, we have the big, big thing that happened in game three to talk about, which is Max Scherzer getting ejected early for sticky stuff, which ends up as uh, Max Scherzer saying it's rosin. Like, I mean, he was. He was swearing up and down like that. He's not cheating. This is rosin. This is completely legal. We will talk about it a little bit more because there is new information that has been coming out since the game ended. But we might as well start with game one here, which, uh, you know, Mets-Dodgers. This was like a pretty awesome game. Dude, overall, I mean, this series just between games one and three, it was two, I think, the best all-around games the Mets might have played the entire season thus far. Just like back and forth baseball, didn't quit, never like never settled for anything, just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. And you really felt that a lot in game one, just because there wasn't even a moment in this game until that like until like like each team has scored a few times where a team scored multiple times in a row. It was the Freeman homer, the Vogie homer, the wins double, the Mets rally, and then the Freeman homer, and then the Muncie homer, and then the Mets did the rally to come back. So it was like just super back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No team with a strong enough punch to knock the other guy out. Shout out to the Dodgers. Uh, Will Smith was hurt, so Austin Wins was in the lineup. I Before the game, I was like, oh, Austin Wins is in the lineup? Great. And then I said it out loud, and I go, oh, that means he's going to do something. And when he hit the double, I'm like, it, it was a lock that Austin Wins was going to get a big hit. Ended up not mattering in this game because they ended up winning this one. But the other thing, too, Mookie Betts paternity leave, so he didn't yeah. play at all in this series, which was a huge, like, for once in our lives as Mets fans, we get a break here where two of the best players on the Dodgers are not in the lineup for other for other things going on, which... I'll take that every single day of the week. Yeah, it was definitely very nice. Still wins against the Dodgers in in the scorecard, but definitely knowing that. I was really excited for today because there was rumors that Mookie Betts was going to be activated and play shortstop. Yeah. And that would have been a really cool thing to be able to see live. Mookie Betts' first major league appearance as a shortstop. But I digress. It didn't get to happen. And 
it was a still fun series overall. Shout out me because I was hyping up Dustin May a ton <laughs> before Monday's before Monday night's game, yes. and this was the his worst start of the season by far. He's been mowing guys down left and right. And another guy I love, Alex Vestia. We got to him multiple times this year. I just forgot to mention him on Sunday. So you guys are all welcome. So with Dustin May, he struck out Nimmo, first batter of the game, and then did not strike out anybody the rest of the game. Only had one strikeout. And with Vessia, Vessia's had a horrendous year. So when you didn't shout so him bad. out, I figured it was just because you were like, oh, he's been playing so poorly. I think Ron, Ron and Keith and all them were talking about on the broadcast today that Vessia in like six innings had given up like 19 hits or something astronomical. He's just been a complete mess. He does have great stuff. But like you said, the Mets got to him, which was very, very nice. Shout out to the James Jinx, strong as ever. Only when it's natural. I can't do it on purpose. It's a power that I know I have, but it's not controllable. So I apologize to everybody for that. But whenever it hits, it's going to hit. And then I also want to talk about David Peterson in this game because this was this was an awesome baseball game. Like, Brett Bailey got the big hit. Like, the offense picked it up. Bullpen was good overall. And Peterson, while he got hit hard, I do think this was just actually kind of sneakily a pretty good start for him overall. I'm glad you said that because my dad, like, went to sleep early. It's a West Coast game. Like, everybody's tired. These games run late. But with this one, um, I'm glad that you said that because when I was explaining to my dad the game, I was like, yeah, the Mets won 8-6 and Peterson gave up six runs, but he pitched well, which doesn't really make sense when you say it out loud, but he kind of made like three or four mistakes and they just happened to go over the wall, basically. No, literally, he, he gave up the home run to Freeman. He gave up two home runs to Freeman, one to Muncie. Hilariously, the only, I think, lefties that were in the Dodgers lineup against the lefty pitcher, they're very good at mixing and matching. We saw that ad nauseum this series with pitchers and hitters, they're so many, they send up every single guy on the roster to the plate every single game. They're doing multiple pitching changes as much as possible. Also, the Mets had a lot of lefties stacked on Wednesday, so that made it a little bit easier for them to do that. But they took all the lefties out of the lineup besides for Freeman and Muncie, and they were the only ones who really did significant damage besides that ridiculous wins hit against against David Peterson. And thought something interesting that Peterson did with such a righty-heavy lineup. He, that slider's been a good weapon for him against righties in the past, and he did throw it a lot, and it was pretty effective on Monday night, but he brought the changeup back in a really big way. It was his most thrown pitch of the entire night, which is something he hasn't done in a very long time. And he got five whiffs and eight called strikes, highest called called strike, call and whiff strike rate for any pitch he had this game. So cool to see that while they stacked the lineup with righties, he adjusted back with a changeup. And again, the lefties are the ones who did the damage of off him, of course. But like he was on hitters, he was throwing strikes. He didn't walk anybody, which was really awesome. And sometimes you just have made a couple of mistakes and all your mistakes, the other guys hit hard and his team picked him up. So great. And it was the four seam, I think, that Freddie Freeman hit the home runs off of. I think he was just leaving the four seam down the middle. And, I mean, like, Freddie Freeman's one of the best hitters in baseball. And Max Muncy crushes left-handed pitching this year. In particular, he's been crushing it. And, of course, he got hot, like, right before we played them. But, like we said, in this game, it didn't end up mattering because the offense really did show up. We've been telling you guys from the start of this podcast, the offense is going to be okay. There are hitters in this lineup. And especially, especially with the development of Brandon Nimmo at the top of the order and the way that this guy has been playing this year. He got that check. He got the bag and he has been playing better than he ever has in his career right now. Off to an incredible start in this game. He was three for five. Pete Alonzo just at playing out of his mind right now. We kind of talked about it last episode, how Pete's just like Loki going to put together an MVP season and different than the years past, because now he's not chasing. He's not swinging and missing as much and he's still hitting for the same power. And he had some incredible at bats in this game too. We were talking in the group chat. I'm like, Wow, Pete is that dude, man. Like, he's just so good. No, he's legit one of the best hitters in baseball. There's not really any way to say that in a different way. The, the amount of power that he gets, which is basically, he's like the best power hitter in baseball as it is. And the fact that he's a above average strikeout guy now, a well above average walk rate guy, and a well above average chaser guy. Like, that's, that is the toolbox of being one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, that's what Freddie Freeman does, but with less power. 
Yes. Truthfully, it is. Like, I, it's like weird for people to hear that and think about that because Pete kind of has this, Pete kind of has his own identity that people have given to him already. He's, we, we know Pete. We love Pete. Everything he does is endearing to us because we're Mets fans, but I can definitely see how the outside, some things you do can seem a little bit goofy. And maybe people yeah. see it, think he's just like trying to be something. But he's just, it seems like he's just really genuine all the time. And he's amazing at hitting baseballs. And another guy amazing at hitting baseballs, Brandon Nimmo. Be- beginning of a great series for him. He had a nice double in this game, three hits. He made that lights out play in center field at the end of the game. It was eighth or ninth inning. I can't recall right now. That was the ninth inning, I believe. Yeah. So just again, they make everything feel a little bit safer in a tight game. But it's had 14 hits in this one, too. Like it was just, this was a game where every single guy kept going and going and going. And they never gave the Dodgers a break. And you mentioned that home run by Vogelback earlier, too, which I think is important to know because it was the first home run of the season. He had another great game, too. Like, he was getting on base, driving in runs, like, just doing his thing. And they used Tommy Pham in the perfect scenario when they brought yep. in, I guess it was Vessier, right? They intentionally walked Tommy Pham the first mm-hmm. time, and then the, he he worked another walk, which helped, yeah. you know, build some runs later in the game. Jeff McNeil finally got off the schneid, too. He had a three-for-five day, another solid series, I think, it ended up being for him, which was good because he had been struggling a little bit. So he had a nice game. Everybody pretty much showed up in this one for the Mets, which was really, really huge. Lindor, the only guy not to get a hit in game one, actually. Nito had one, too. Yeah, but Lindor put the pressure on Phil Bickford to balk in the what turned out to be the winning run. So that was very yes. important from, you know, team leader. No, 100%. That's the kind of stuff that he does. And, like, you, you talked about the Nimmo catch, too. Like, he's just, in front of our eyes, become just like a premier player in baseball. And it's like, yeah. it's kind of the same thing, like you were talking about with Pete. Like, people on the outside will, like, probably laugh and scoff at, like, the comments that we're saying here, but the numbers and all the stuff back it up. Like Nimmo is elite in center field. There's, there's no way around it. He plays elite center field defense. He's been incredible at the plate this year, starting to barrel the ball a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Like there's a real chance that Brandon Nimmo is going to be on his first all-star team this year. Like there's, there's honestly, there's no other way to really slice it. Like Brandon Nimmo is hitting 350 after his five for five day on Wednesday, which we're going to dive into more in a little bit. Brandon Nimmo has walked, more than twice as much as he struck out so far this season. Like Brent, like it's every everything's happening. Stealing bases for the first time. Like the power's not really there, but the power has never really been there, there, there. If he's getting to 12 homers from the leadoff spot with elite everything else, including defense, there's really not that many center fielders I'd rather have in baseball than Brandon Nimmo. And 100%. Really happy. And we got to mention this game too. You guys heard their emergency episode late Monday. Brett Beatty made a season yep. debut and got a nice RBI single to keep maintain a rally and kind of was a big catalyst in the Mets maintaining their spot in this game and granted in this series I think that was his only hit of the series thus far yeah, but he, he had been hitting the ball the, hitting the ball pretty hard and he'd been pulling the ball so more more things that you'd like to see he really wasn't going the other way granted they were pretty much all on the ground but he was pulling the baseball which is something you said you wanted to see him do a little bit more yeah and again lifting it of course it was, it's it's not going to be instantaneous for Rip no. like we know that like we know that I mean even Alvarez like it's it's a it's growing pains for all these guys this is their first exposure to the major leagues I look at another team who we talk about think about and like see a lot the Philadelphia Phillies we're seeing two big breakouts for them this year Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott like those guys combined have almost a thousand major league baseball at bats already Francisco even Brandon Alvarez, Marsh yeah Brandon Marsh too is another good example Brett Bathey and Francisco Alvarez don't even have near 100 combined no so like it's it takes a long time for these guys to get it together and like maybe it's take shorter for these guys because I think there are better prospects than those guys we just mentioned but it's a learning process this is the biggest adjustment in sports and they're doing it on the fly in front of our eyes also want to give a big shout out to Drew Smith who had a good series got a big strikeout against Miguel Vargas in this game yeah. late when he came in for Brooks Raley the fastball that he's been elevating you sent me the tweet I who was it from Petriello um friend of the podcast maybe but he's been elevating that fastball and it's just like not been getting touched and you guys remember from an interview with uh, Drew Chains a few months ago that he said his favorite pitch to get guys with is that fastball. He said, you get a guy with your heater, 
really feels like you got him. Yes. No. So, I mean, glad to see Drew Smith playing well, doing this thing out in the bullpen. We can move it on to game two now because game two, kind of quick. Uh, Clayton Kershaw did that thing where he owns the Mets because he, he owns the Mets. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, it, this was Clayton Kershaw's 17th game against the Mets in the regular season, his career, 110 innings. He is 11-0 with a 2.03 ERA and a 0.99 whip. He should have got the loss last year. He, we let him off the hook when they actually finally beat him for once, but then, you know, the game happened. Things got a little bit crazy. Yeah, whatever. We did beat him for once, actually, when that was in the playoffs. So I will take yes. every single one of these regular season losses to have won that series in 2015. Well, he's a regular season champion. He's only won, what, 25% of an actual World Series? I, no, 27%. Would have, would have been great if the Dodgers never won that one in 2020 because, boy, oh, boy, like they really hold on to that one. They grasp at pearls. But it makes it perfect that they won it and the Lakers won it together. Like Maybe I'm yeah. just in L.A., so I'm seeing all of this like Dodgers-Lakers championship apparel. I'm like, guys are f***ing losers. I, sorry, Vito, <laughs> put that one in the log. The one time Vito's not here, I actually curse. Damn. But, um, yeah, I'm just like, I just want to tell all these people, like, you guys know you've never won any of these championships, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's been I mean, a yeah, If LeBron finds his fourth championship this year, I'll be down pretty bad, but I'm, I'm confident he'll never get that fourth one. It's, it's an uphill battle. That Lakers team is not very good this year. Lakers team is going to, it looks like they might walk to the conference finals because John Morant's not playing basketball talk. We you know how much you guys love to talk about other sports. <laughs> and and the Kings, the Kings are just bodying the Warriors. So it's going to be LeBron versus the Kings in the conference semis. Like, who do you think is going to win that? Probably LeBron. Probably That's what LeBron. I mean. Yeah. So I got to get out of LA before any of that happens. But I digress. I will. So it's okay. This Back game, to the game, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah Clint this- Kershaw also got his 200th win of his career. Yeah, which was nice. They were really, they were really going crazy about that in the broadcast. I have found that it might just be because I'm in LA right now. And I couldn't use MLB TV because I'm in LA, so I couldn't get the game. The other streaming sites that people like to use sometimes were absolutely battened down this series to, to access these games. Like I was sitting with my friend on the couch, like watching NBA play. I was like listening to Keith Rad and uh, Pat McCarthy on the radio because, first of all, Monday night, the only, every single website that had Mets streams available, it went right to NFL Network. Interesting. It was one of the strangest thing ever. And last night they were just all like blacked out. I was like, what the heck is going on right now? So it was just a lot of radio for me this weekend. But this game felt kind of dead on arrival when Brandon Nimmo led off the game with a little league triple. And then Clayton Kershaw went Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, back to back to back punchies. And I was like, oh, it's a good stuff is here tonight. Yeah, no, Kershaw was absolutely locked in. Like you said, he kind of turns it up against the Mets. And he showed a lot of emotion in this one too. I haven't seen Clayton Kershaw really ever show this level of emotion, especially in a regular season game. But when he got that big strikeout uh, late in the game, who was up against? I forgot. Who it was, was Tommy Pham. When you strike yeah. out Tommy Pham, like you freak out because you just got like one of the best hitters in baseball to go down. Like you need yeah. everything you can get there. Kershaw literally like came off the mound, like screaming, like almost like just. I- I've never seen him react like that. He went crazy, and I guess you know Dodgers fans they haven't had much to celebrate recently. So celebrating no. a regular season games big. I get it. I mean, you beat the Mets. That's like a marquee team in baseball. Like, that's one of the pillars of, like, National League supremacy. Like, they know that. Like, they can't. What I they... text you? I texted you. I said, Mets are <laughs> in some teams' heads if that's the reaction we're getting in April. I mean, again, we also kind of bodied them last year in both regular season series. We yeah, got them and... two out of three, and we got them three out of four. Like, this seems like this is kind of something that the Dodgers would like to beat the Mets. We also have that big playoff series went over them. I'm sure that they won't soon forget. No, no, of course not. And the Mets kind of bodied them again in this series. But yeah, they yeah. got game two. Uh, I mean, Brett Beatty did hit like a ball that was smoked at one point, but I know. just just found a glove, and that felt like the moment that we needed for maybe a chance to come back, and then that yeah. was kind of it. Shout out Francisco Alvarez, pinch running. I'm sure he didn't. he's never done that before. <laughs> that was, that, yeah. He must have been like me. <laughs> you, you want me to run? I mean, listen, get the guy in the game however he can. I'm cool with that. Definitely. And I mean, J.D. Martinez, who's like a, one of the best hitters of this like last era of baseball, was a one-man wrecking crew. He just seemed to really 
know exactly when Tyler McGill was going to throw him a pitch right down the middle, and he would just hit a home run every single time. Four for four in this game. You got you got to tip your cap to the stud. Yeah, what do you got on McGill? How do you how do you think that he pitched? Like, what's the what are the deeper numbers telling you? It was I looked again. This was a radio game, so I looked back today, like watch condensed, and I looked at the pitch tracker for this game, the Illustrator, like that Savant shows, and really weird. He was throwing everything low and away this hmm. game, which is really uncommon for McGill. Like, because as we've seen him throw most of his career, he's been a power pitcher who's preferred to work up in the zone and let those breakers fall down below. So I thought it was very weird that he was focusing a lot of his efforts on fastballs low. Kind of weird. I don't, again, I don't know if it was just a weird like adjustment for this game, maybe something about the Dodgers swing pass. I don't, I don't know what was going on there, but it was just, it was also then came out to be like every other start for McGill this year where he battled. This time the other team was just simply better. But there was one yeah. thing. That was really cool that he did. He got back up 96 miles an hour today, yesterday, Tuesday, for the first time this year. And that was his second to last fastball of the game. Okay. So that he threw his fastest fastball as a second to last one. So it seems like McGill's, I think, had this little battle within himself and within New York, like just to try and manage his effort a little bit better, manage how much he's giving, how much juice he's giving there and there. Definitely staying healthy, as he mentioned to us in the spring. So for cool sure. that he might be getting a little bit better understanding his body to the point where he can he had the juice to get that big pitch off right at the end. Yeah, and I mean, Miguel's been great. Like, again, Dodgers lineup pretty solid. J.D. Martinez, like you said, just kind of had a day. You do have one pitcher, though, to talk about here, James. Yeah. Your boy, we did Jeff we Brigham. Did the we Brigham, did it. The Brigham minute is back. What do you got for us from game two? Jeff Brigham looked disgusting. What else am I going to say? Like, he threw six sweepers versus only one fastball. He got three riffs on four swings. He had that great at bat against Vargas, who doesn't really ever chase. And he froze him with a couple nice sweepers, which I thought was cool. And he came in again on Wednesday and he looked, he went at bat. He looked awesome again. I think it was also against Vargas. Yes, which maybe he has his number. I don't know. Yeah, and he got, he got, he made him look at a couple strikes and got him to pop up. And I was just like, I mean, you guys see it. When you watch that slider, it's like, <laughs> that thing is spinning right there. It's a really good pitch. And I, the, the main caveat I gave about Brigham, we're still under a minute. The main caveat I gave about Brigham in the spring was that, like, if you got that heater back to where it was a few years ago, this guy could be elite elite. It's not there. It's sitting like 94 right now, which is where it was in the spring. So we're probably not getting above 95 this year. I honestly thought that they were going to call him up for bulk, too, because he's been throwing a lot of pitches. But using him for, I think it was like 20 total pitches to get like three or four batters out in two days, looks like he's going to just be one of these middle reliever firemen type. I'm all in. If you guys have been listening to this podcast, you know I'm all in. I, ho I hope everyone's getting on the Brigham wagon with me. We're, br we're bringing him young, and we're bringing him hard. So, Jeff Brigham, Tommy Pham. I asked you about Tommy Pham. Is he the guy <laughs> you want to interview the most? If you had to pick one to interview, who's the guy? I mean, I mean definitely both of them. I mean, also, I, I really just like, in general, like to interview David Robertson. He just is of really course, good. Yeah, he yeah. seems super interesting. I mean, I want to interview every player in the Mets. Like that, That's a good goal for us this year. Yes. We want to get every single guy who wears the jersey, but... If it was either of them, it might. I I think Brigham. I just I'll be like, hey man, I think you're awesome. Like I think like, I'll be able to be more flattery with him. But Tommy Pham will be more intimidated. Jeff, I'll I'll send you the timestamp every episode. It's the Brigham minute, and I gas you up, and for good reason. I'm a believer, man. I'm a Brigham yeah. believer. <laughs> I'm gonna put in the log right now for Keeper Vito. Twenty three thirty. The Brig the Brigham minute. The Brigham minute. I, there's no other podcast that you could ever listen to that will have this much Jeff Brigham uh, gassing up here. But that's what you'd come to with the Mets Up podcast. We love talking about sometimes, not all the stars. We love talking about them. You know about them. They're great. They don't need to be spoken for all the time. But the Jeff Brigham's of the team, they have yeah. to. And honestly, game three, we will be talking about another Jeff Brigham of the world. Because in game three, as we know, the main story here is Max yep. Scherzer getting ejected before the fourth inning started on his way out to the fourth inning for sticky stuff so let's set the table here because first inning max Scherzer, i think ran into a little bit of trouble he ended up finding it and, and sorting it out towards the end but 
at the uh, going out in the third inning, umpire Phil Cuzzy wanted to check Mac, check Max Scherzer before he went out onto the field, which is something I didn't know they do. I thought it was only after the innings, but he checked him mm-hmm. before the inning, f- put his hand in his glove, which Keith Hernandez and Ron were like, I don't like that. You don't put your hand in my glove. Like, that's my glove. I, I'd have a problem with that. And I agree. Phil Cuzzy shouldn't be putting his entire hand in the glove and wear it like that. But he felt that there was a, a substance that was a little bit too sticky in the glove, so he told Max to go change it. Max ran to the dugout, got a new glove, went out for the third inning, pitched completely fine. Fourth inning, same thing Max, happens again. Max also said that in between those innings, he washed his hand with alcohol. Yes, and he did it in front of an MLB official. He said there was yeah. an MLB official who literally watched me and examined me do it. They saw what was going on. Fourth inning, he comes out. Phil Cousy says, let me see it again. He starts touching the glove, starts touching his hands, has a big problem with the the stickiness. And I think it was Dan Bellino, right, who was technically the crew chief. What did he say? Because I read the tweet and it was absurd. It was the most like made up nonsense. I need to cover my veto. Sorry to curse again, but I need to cover my ass of like, we kind of messed up here, but I have to kind of go with my guy, Phil Cuzzy. Yeah, and the words, the words here are kind of important because it seemed like one of those like scenes from like a, like a satirical TV show where you just start like someone just starts saying things to try and like make a joke, but it was real. As far as stickiness, level of stickiness, this was the stickiest that it has that that it has been since I've been inspecting hands, which goes back three seasons now. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Ridiculous, ridiculous sentence. And Max Scherzer, as you can imagine, was up in arms, was livid about this because he got ejected from the game. He was saying up and down, like, I'm telling you, it's rosin and sweat. This is completely legal. You're allowed to use rosin. This is given to us by Major League Baseball. If it's sticky, that's not my that's not my fault. This is what the rosin is. That like rosin plus sweat. It's been happening for years and years and years. This is exactly how you get grip on the ball. He's like, I don't use rosin to make the ball slipperier. I use it because it gives me a better grip. And that's what I used, ejected from the game. Uh, just a bit of a crazy scenario, especially when you find out that there have been three players since the sticky stuff crackdown that have been ejected from games, and they've all been by Phil Cuzzy. I still, I'm still, I still want to refute that. That was something that went around. I want to see if that's actually real because one of the one of the times that there was an ejection was also Max Scherzer, and it was when he was a Diamondback. No, that wasn't him. Oh, that, that picture was, was not of Max Scherzer? No, that's why I was oh. so confused when you're like, Max Scherzer, Diamondback. I'm like, he never wore those Diamondbacks jerseys. This was the um, first time Scherzer ever got it, and you brought up Pineda to me, but he was before the crackdown of the sticky stuff. I'm so dumb. I thought that was Scherzer in 31. No, 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 no. I think crazy. it was like, I thought that. It might have been like Tyler Gilbert, maybe, or, or Caleb Smith. I think it was Caleb Smith. Yeah, I think it was Caleb Smith. I got Cali Brand right now. What are you going to do? Yeah, but Phil Cuzzy, weirdly involved in all three ejections for sticky stuff of pitchers since the crackdown. Is this a witch hunt? I mean, we know that people have been after Max Scherzer from the start. It's crazy that he got ejected from this, especially when he was using the stuff that Major League Baseball gives to the players. It's also even more unfortunate because this was a situation where Scherzer had pushed himself back a few days as he was recovering from, I think it was side soreness. So when you take those few days back, I know because Max talked about like steadiness of workload in the past, like you want to pitch as much as you're expecting to pitch. So him coming out of the game when he had, what, time like 40-something pitches, like that stinks like you were expecting this work and now you didn't get that work and now your side that was tight and was sore you didn't you you you've got to prepare for something you never actually had to do and now if this holds it's automatic 10 game suspension that comes with sticky stuff ejections so that'll be another two full times through the rotation until max Scherzer has a full workload that is a little nerve-wracking for a guy who's been trying to be really much more on top of his health especially of a side muscle that we know are very finicky so that's the end on top of that even more so 
The Mets are in the span of playing 10 games in 10 days all on the road. Losing one of your star pitchers, not you, right now the best pitcher in this rotation, a guy who you're expecting to give you length, a guy who you're expecting to beat these good teams, a guy who you're expecting to pitch six, seven innings and outing, to lose him in the middle of something we're going through all this stretch. Jose Budo pitched last weekend. Jimmy Yacobonis threw 50 pitches today. Jeff Brigham, my boy, guys called the major leagues. We're There's rumors we might see Joey Lucchese later this week. Like, they, It's all hands on deck right now. And to lose Max Scherzer, after three innings, 47 pitches is just ridiculous. Something's not right, man. Something's not right. I don't know. It just, it all felt just so bizarre. It felt very like planned. I don't know. I'm not, dude, I was in the stadium. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I had to call my dad who was watching on television. I was like, tell me what's happening right now. Like, please, I was texting you like what literally what in the world is going on? Because I saw yeah. like, we just know this, like there was a little bit of a fracas at the end of the last inning, but nothing came of it. And uh, you were my dad texting me, like they just made Scherzer change his glove. Or it's like, what do you mean change his glove? If the sticky stuff was there the first time, why wasn't he just throwing out of the game at that moment? Like why exactly. did why did Max why Max Scherzer get a second chance? Not the saying Max Scherzer shouldn't, he should get second, third, and fourths because he's above the law. I mean, I take that back. He's the steam pitcher who would never do anything wrong. I also take that back. I don't know. It was weird. That <laughs> it was super weird that he didn't get ejected. Then they made him change something. And they still ejected him. But I didn't. I, I couldn't tell what was going on. I just saw everyone on the, on the arguing on the first baseline. And then Max Scherzer stormed into the dugout. So it was really if weird I'm, being in the park for it. If I'm Rocco Baldelli, I'm also furious too. Because I got ejected because they didn't eject Domingo Herman for the exact same thing that apparently happened like a week ago when the Twins were playing the Yankees. And Domingo Herman proceeded to have probably the best start of his career and shut down the twins and get a win. But Baldelli's like, you just made him wash his hands. You said there's sticky stuff on there. Why is he still in the game? Why is, why all of a sudden is there a gray area with the sticky stuff, especially if he's not actually using any of the sticky stuff, which Max Scherzer has swore on his life, his, his family's life that he is not using. Like it, to me, it, something feels off in Scherzer after the game when, He's being asked by reporters. He had some like funny tongue and cheek comments a little bit later, but he was like, yeah, like basically like, I'm not going to talk too much about it. He goes, but I used rosin, which is allowed. I washed my hands in front of an MLB official. They saw it. I used alcohol to clean off whatever they claimed was a problem. He goes, but I'm, I'm going to touch rosin when I go back out on the field. Like it's, it's there. I'm allowed to touch it. Why would I not use it? He goes, and the rest of this is going to be kind of le handled legally. So I'm not going to talk too much about it, which is kind of a, a bad, a cool way to go about talking about this situation although i wish we didn't have to because like you said the 10 game suspension is huge for them that's huge that's insane that's going to be a, there's a series with the braves that's starting next week especially with the news of carrasco going on the il as well we're down another pitcher now and it has nothing to do with an injury it's because of a possible complete mistake by the umpires umpires need to be held accountable i've been saying that forever they get away yeah. with everything if it's found out that max scherzer did nothing which he did does Phil Cuzzy get suspended for for falsely for completely altering the outcome of this game? I mean, probably not. I I don't think so. Like, what's what's the grounds for that? He made the call that he thought he was supposed to make. I I mean, I don't know. The umpires union is just you know it's, it's very it's very powerful. Yeah. I don't really want to mess with them on here. I know Joe West. Joe West listens to every single podcast, and as he said, <laughs> not one umpire missed a call last year. So we can't really we can't we can't really mess with that governing body. But something we were talking about a bit off there that at the time made me frustrated, but after the way this game ended up playing out, it actually made me kind of like happy and kind of grateful. It, it seemed like Buck Showalter was a little, a little very chill after this Max Scherzer situation. I think a lot of people, and maybe even Buck in a different team, different time, would have absolutely blown a cork for all those reasons that we just said. But Buck was kind of relaxed about it. And then we kind of watched the way this team responded, and it was really, really loudly. It was in a full yeah. up-and-down team effort. Jimmy Acabonis, Drew Smith, the rest of the bullpen, Nimmo, like... Tommy Pham, Mark Handel, like everyone kind of like chipped in, did their job and did put them in position to win this game. So I, and Buck after the game, 
everyone's asking about Max Scherzer. He was like, "You guys just see this win? This is this was this was this is a great team win right here." Scherzer after the game too. After all the questions came in, someone did ask him about like, "How's it feel for the team to get a win?" He's like, "Oh, finally, I get to talk about baseball." He's like, I, yeah. "He's like that was a great win." He's like, "Jimmy Yak put the team on his back." That's a good rhyme, by the way. But I want to stand up and clap for Jimmy Yak a bonus because what a performance! If only Johnny Stats was here, but he's he's busy not caring about the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. No, That's yeah. a shot, but. <laughs> John's busy actually doing some real work uh, outside of here. But that's John's guy, Jimmy Yacobonis. A huge, huge outing by him. That was monstrous what he did for us. No, it was a ridiculous outing by Jimmy Yacobonis to go up against the Dodgers lineup. That's definitely not, it's no longer the scary Dodgers lineup that it ever used to be, especially without Mookie Betts or Will Smith. But he went through the full road, like he went through the full time. No one really did anything crazy to him. Like it was, it was good. It was just good baseball. A lot of sinkers, a lot of sweepers, like kept the ball down. It was a really good outing for Jimmy Yak. Yep. And Jeff Brigham, like you said, cleaned up the final inning that Jimmy Yak was in. So big shout out to the bullpen. Of course, Drew Smith had an inning that was great. David Robertson ended up giving up a run, got a little scary there. But, you know, the Mets, the Mets really did, like, keep this game close. And it was a good baseball game that was played. Super good baseball game. Tommy Pham had a very critical sack fly in between those things, too, when the game was still only one run that made it two runs. And that Robertson run wound up only cutting it back to one. Rather, rather than uh, rather than tying the game, which would have been a backbreaking blow at that point, because you kind of just felt the Dodgers heating up as this game went on. Also, just want to shout out the Mets lineup again that we know is good. Only only uh, four strikeouts in this game. Yep, very good lineup. I mean, we we've got a meme ready and waiting to go for whenever the Mets offense like truly does break out against like a good team, not against the A's. But this lineup is good, and it gets started again with Brandon Nimmo at the top of the order, five for five on the day. A home run that was absolutely crushed to right field. Nimmo, especially outside the first inning, attacks the baseball. Attacks. He's like way more aggressive, something that we've both talked about. And I love to see it because he hits the ball really hard. That home run was also right after Scherzer came out. And Jimmy Yak did give up a little mini rally that with a, with a sack fly that gave the Dodgers a run. And you're like, oh, damn, the Dodgers just scored the run. The top of the next inning, Nimmo put the ball out 110, just out to, out to right center. No doubt they're crushed. And you're just like, okay. We got this game. We're totally back in it. Also, another cool fa- fun fact about this game, where Max Scherzer only through three innings, 47 pitches, a hodgepodge bullpen game. Not one hitter of the Dodgers' top four. James Outman, Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, or Max Muncy had a hard hit ball. That's fantastic. You're going to win games when you keep those guys from hitting the ball hard. That's for sure. Yep, and Freeman struck out twice. Outman struck out twice. And we just it was, I just loved watching this team play and like come together today. And Canna breaking it open at the end was nice. Breaking yes, it open kind nice. of. We still, yeah, we only won by two, but... And- he scared off. me a little bit sliding into home plate on that uh, pass ball that he stole third. He was stealing third. You told me, because like watching it on TV, I'm like, he was up by 25 feet. Like, why did he go? I mean, I saw it happening. He broke right when the ball got past Austin Wins, and he got to third pretty early. And then as he was still had some momentum running, Joey Cora was just, it was just, he was just moving it. It was, it was, it was windmill, and he was like popping him in. And you think in the moment, like, okay, maybe you could steal a run right here. Or like Francisco Lindor is up with one out and a guy in third. So whatever, but... Yeah, Jimmy, Joe Gore got very excited for that one. Listen, sometimes you ride the wave. Sometimes you try to ride the momentum. It didn't work out there. Luckily, it didn't matter either because the Mets won this game. Adovino did give up that home run to David Peralta, which then followed with the guy running onto the field, like you said. But uh, yeah, the game was over. Adovino got another save, which was huge. And the Mets win the series two games out of three against the Dodgers in LA. We get to, I guess we beat, did Syndergaard get the loss technically? Uh, yeah, I think so. He, gave he us- did. Yes, yeah. we gave Syndergaard a loss. Yeah, 0-3 with a 5 ERA. Woo! Definitely didn't hit him hard enough, though. They, he, no. he wasn't missing any bats at all. Max Scherzer hilariously did have the most swings and misses in this entire game, 
which is one of the funniest like, little side notes about it. But Syndergaard's just like, he's just, he's really, he's a really strange pitcher at this time in his career. Yeah, he looks, he throws like 92, and it's like a lot of sinkers and change-ups, which is like super not what we're used to. But you know what? He's not on the Mets anymore, so I'm glad he's not pitching well. Cool. Love it. Yeah, and uh, one more thing I want to say about this game that was cool. Something's happened a lot this year. Buck used David Robertson against the top of the order in the eighth inning. Outman, Freeman, Martinez. And they did get to him a little bit, but again, similar to how we saw him use Edwin last year. Like Robertson is the number one choice in this bullpen right now, especially for getting guys from both sides of the plate out. And he was in there to get the best hitters, the Dodgers out when they came up. Love to see that. Smarter, not harder. That's exactly how we're thinking right now. Also, another win that happened in this series is for your boy, Mark, me. I won the estimate. I uh, I got it correct. We had rookie hits in the series, and it was eight. I said seven and a half. James told me that means eight, and eight was the magic number. So I got one on the board. I think it's now, what, two to one? Three to one, no? Three to one, two to one? I, if John, John was Yeah, here, John's got it. Yeah, yeah. John's he, got it. He knows it. But all you got to know is James is currently in the lead. Now, while John is not here, he did text me what the next estimate is going to be, and it's a fun one. I mean, we're playing the Giants. We'll do our Giants preview in a second when, you, when we wrap this up. But if you guys have looked at that Giants offense, it's a lot of former Mets on this team. So the estimate for this series is going to be total hits by former Mets contingent on the Giants. And for those of you at home, just to name some of their former Mets on this team, J.D. Davis, Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, and Michael Conforto. Those are the four right now. How many hits will they have in this series, James? Remember, it's a four-game series as well. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. I totally forgot to get a pen and paper, so I'm going to go run and get that. Okay, go run and get it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take in uh, some some time for you guys here. The Giants are coming off of a bit of a late game in Miami where they played extras. They have to fly from Miami back to San Francisco to play a game tomorrow against the Mets, with, or today when you guys are listening to it, which I absolutely love to see as a Mets fan. I'm like, oh, Giants are going to be coming in off a flight tired? This is fantastic. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and, I mean, I can talk it through. James isn't here. Oh, he's back. I won't talk through my process here. Those four guys, though, with the pitching matchups that we have through four games, I'm going to say, you know what? I got my number written down. I'm using a green Expo marker. I don't have pens in my apartment. I don't know where they went. Interesting. What number do you think, James? Because I got one. You counting, doing some arithmetic? Yeah, because I mean, because one of the big things about this series, especially about the way that Giants use their players, that Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores each have very specific roles, as we know, and they play yes. against lefties. And, and J.D. Davis. No, Jay Davis actually has broke the platoon now. He's in the lineup every day. Oh, okay, okay. Because he's a yo, know, they're three, four, they're they're third or fourth. He's hitting like four hundred with like fifteen RBIs. He's yeah, he's, he's he's hitting the ball pretty well. And we are going to be pitching Peterson for sure, and possibly Joey Lucchese. That's two yeah. lefties right there. I get these guys many more at bats. So I'm thinking, oh man, <laughs> I might just go really high for this one. <laughs> yeah, just go crazy high. Yeah, it seems like it seems like these guys are out. It just this this feels like a situation where it's gonna be like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> like those will be the guys that do get hits for the Giants in these games. It feels like because we're also probably looking at like thirty, probably looking at like forty at bats for these guys. Yeah, definitely over a four yeah. game series. All right, write your number yeah. down. I got mine. I'm making the people wait for this one here. I'm ready? I, I wrote this so small. I'm gonna make it bigger. You wrote so small. <laughs> Did you forget that you have to show it on camera? Kinda. It looks so bad. <laughs> Why do you not know how to write? What's going on here? I'm in vacation mode. Callie James. You got Florida Mark. You got Callie James. Yeah, it's honestly kind of perfect. <laughs> That's it. That's when each of us detach. All right, I'm ready. Ready? Three, yeah. two, one. Bang. Bang. Yep. Ooh, eight. Mark has eight. I have 12. Okay. All right. Good. So, so 10 is the number that makes this really 
frustrating. Yeah, Tends the even number. Okay, that makes sense. We we love to be the same amount away from each other. We're never like three yeah. off. It's always no. four two. A tie has to be in play. It's one of the big problems with, with with the NFL change now. You need to have five hundred as a possibility. Yeah, you need to have that opportunity to just be level. And now we got mm. that. We got that. So eight for me, 12 for James. We'll see how it goes. Go ahead right into the Giants preview now for this series. Like we said, it's a four-gamer against the Giants. Uh, pitching matchups, we've got what, James? Pitching matchups for this series. Again, little, both teams are kind of shuffling right now. Alex Wood was injured this week, so he might be going on the IL. We know that Jose Budo made a spot start last week, and he was sent back down, so he can't come up unless there's an, like a ensuing move that includes an injury. So as of right now, Thursday night, we have Kodai Sanger versus Sean Manai. Shomanai is a guy who has been like he's been very good and bad different times in his career, but it seems like the Dodgers have the Giants have kind of gotten him back on track. His velocity is up, his slider looks better. Then Friday, Mets are undecided right now. It's possible that that becomes Joe Lucchese, but we have no idea. He just makes the logical sense. Versus Tony Disco, who's having a decent year as it is right now. Love Di Scalfani. Saturday, David Peterson versus Logan Webb. Logan Webb historically last couple of years have been very good, but it looks like he might've over tinkered with some of his stuff this year. He has more velocity and much more movement on his slider sweeper and it looks different. So the guy's just a little harder to control. And then Sunday evening, Sunday night baseball, Ooh. Tyler McGill versus an undecided from the giants that they hinted today would be Ross Stripling returning from the bullpen back to the rotation. And Ross Stripling has not looked good this year. I believe but, he's been getting hit pretty hard. Yes, but Ross Stripling mentioned recently that he decided to kill his changeup, that he was always decent for him, tried to bring it back in a big way this year, hasn't been good at all, so I think he's going back just to the fastball curveball, which is usually his bread and butter. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I know uh, Like the, the Giants in general have been pretty horrible this year. They've been like one yeah, of the worst really teams bad. in baseball. Uh, their pitching is not awful. Their pitching is not bad by no, any it's not means, bad at all. I don't think. But their offense has been struggling quite a bit. Like, I'm, I'm just going to read their hitters. I mean, me and you will know who they are, but just for you guys at home so you can get used to these names that you might be hearing for the first time in your life. Catcher, Joey Bart. He was a first-round pick, I think, like four, fourth overall a few years ago out of Florida State. He's actually been swinging the bat, I think, pretty well since he got called back up. And he is a good baseball player. Um, what he also looks awesome defensively. Yeah, well, he always was a good defensive catcher. Yeah. Like that was one of the calling cards for him. And then they also have Blake Sable, who's a left-handed hitting catcher, which is kind a rarity. And he also plays the outfield, I think, to a little Dalton Varsho action. Yeah. In terms of their infielders, you have Brandon Crawford. We know about him. He's due for a big hit, I'm sure, at some point in the series. J.D. Davis, who we mentioned, who has been swinging the bat well, although some Mets fans would make you think that it's Hank Aaron, who's been hitting, yeah. uh, not J.D. Davis. I do want yeah. to mention that the, the Giants played faced a lefty, Trevor Rogers, on Wednesday afternoon. And 2-3-4 in their lineup was Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, J.D. Davis. So, yeah, we'll probably see that and against gonna, the lefties that we have. Probably twice, yeah. <laughs> probably twice. Tyro Estrada is on this team. Tyro Estrada is a good ball player. He's a really good ball player. Definitely a good ball player. Former Yankee. Uh, Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, as we mentioned. Um, I, I think Mets fans probably have some feelings about Darren Ruff that we will not be sharing right here. You know what? Actually, we could share it. They don't like him. They hate his guts. <laughs> I think they hate Darren Ruff. So I'm sure a lot of Mets fans will really be watching the at-bats against him. David VR, who you told me is a little bit of a ball player. He just hits the ball so hard, and he really gets to his pull power well. He just has a lot of swing and miss, which makes sense from a guy who's like kind of like a quadruple A-ish, like on that fringe right now, like 26-year-old late draft pick who's trying to make his way. But he really hits a lot of the barrels, and he doesn't chase. He did, kind of does the Outman thing, but a little worse than Outman. So he's a Got guy it. who he has pop. Lamont Wade Jr., who we've seen before, who plays first base and corner outfield, and Brett Wisely, who is someone I literally have no clue, never heard about him. Uh, no. Welcome to the big leagues, guy. And then in the outfield... 
Another familiar face, Michael Conforto. Wish the best for him. I hope he does great, except this series. I hope he goes 0 for 12. Hope he doesn't get a single hit. Probably unlikely because he's playing pretty well this year. Looks like he might be a little bit back. But, uh, yeah, he'll be playing every day out there in the outfield. Yeah, the Giants also have a real hodgepodge of funny relievers. Like, we're going to see Camilo Duvall, who I think is sneaky, like one of the better relievers in baseball. He throws he throws demon, demon pitches, sinker slider. They're freaky as hell. And then they got the Rodgers brothers, Taylor and Tyler, which is crazy to have these guys in one bullpen. And we know that Tyler has caused us fits in previous yeah. years. He is the submariner. Last year, last year we got to him, if you remember. Yes, but that was because he was, wasn't was really throwing strikes, though, right? I think he was just walking a lot of guys, maybe. But he's yeah. a submariner who basically scrapes his knuckles against the ground and throws about 75 miles an hour, so he'll be frustrating to see. Uh, they also have, I think, the tallest player in Major League Baseball, or at least high school, the tallest player him. in history, Sean Jelly, who is 6'11", 228 pounds. Yeah, he's made of jelly. How do you only weigh 228 pounds at 6'11"? Yeah, he's, he's a funny-looking guy. They're also sneaky. I think they just called him up recently. Another very tall guy who's a starter, uh, starting pitching prospects in their bullpen, Tristan Beck. He's like a clean clean 6'5", as well. Like 6'5", like 170. So yeah, it kind of seemed like they might have a type right now. No, definitely. Uh, their pitching will be okay, like we said. It will be solid. Their offense, a little bit weak. Last two guys, Elliot Ramos and Mikey Stremski. This is a team that we are playing. I kind of feel like they're. that's how I want to describe them. This is a team that yeah. we're playing and we need to beat. Team we're playing, I'd like to beat them. We're come, this, this, this is tough to come off like a big emotional game, on a day game, and go immediately to a night game, like still on the same road trip. So I think that is going to be like the real only thing working against the Mets here because like it's just been it's just been a lot of travels, a lot of work, a lot of games consecutively, and today was just so weird. And I don't know, I feel like you beat a team like the Dodgers, there's tendencies, just human nature to be like, all right, now we're playing the Giants. It's different. Uh, we know especially, that. Especially with the homestand coming up too. Like I'm sure people are getting ready. This is about the time when you start to be like, man, I'd like to be home. I'd like to go yeah. home a little bit. T- 10 games in 10 days sticks when all of them happen in the state of California. And you're going like from Oakland back to LA, then up back to San Francisco. God forbid the Mets play in Oakland and San Francisco in back-to-back series. That would be too, that'd be too difficult for them to do. It'd be much too easy for this to deal with. But uh, Giants are a weird team. They're going to do weird stuff. They're going to m- be very matchup dependent. You're going to see a lot of pitching changes, lots of pinch hitters, pinch runners. They're going to try and like maximize every single little morsel of baseball they can get out of all these players. And it hasn't worked the last couple weeks for them, so I really hope that we can keep going with this good road trip we've been having so far. The Mets are yep. right now 5-1 five, five and one on the road trip. Yeah, they're five, they've only lost one game. Or, yeah, they've only lost one game, and that was to the Dodgers in Game 2. Uh, otherwise, things have been going very, very well for the Mets. And when you look at the standings, I mean, luckily the Braves got a loss today against the Padres. Mets are 12 and 7. I mean, it's a little early to be looking at standings, but I know some Mets fans want to hear it. Mets are 12 and 7, two games back in the National League East. And I don't even think we've played our best baseball yet. I don't even think we have. And, you know, another lesson from last year I'm not going to, we can't look at these standings for a very long time. No, no, no. It's just a quick glance, just to let you guys yeah, know. Quick glance, a quick glance. Because we know that uh, April 19th standings do not matter uh, when October comes around. No one cares where you finish, just as long as you make it to the playoffs, which is all that matters for us. Yeah, and I like where we're at right now. It's a big series this weekend. we got to get some more wins. Yep. All right. That's a good place for us to wrap up this episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Make sure you guys are following us on all our social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We've been dropping fire, fire content on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. Shout out to Vito, making some great reels and clips for us. Oh, what do you got? Breaking news. Breaking news. Max Scherzer says he's taking Jimmy Yak out to a steak dinner. Okay, of course. You got it. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Yak played a great game, and Max Scherzer's got a couple couple pennies I'm sure he could spend on a guy who, who picked him up a little bit. Yeah, and a good answer for Jimmy Yak. So I don't want anything, to be honest. I'm going out there doing my job. That's, that's, yeah. that's a baseball guy right there. I like that answer, Jimmy Yak. A humble man. Mm-hmm. So, stuff. yeah. 
wrap up this episode again. Follow us on our social media, MetsDup, M-E-T-S-D-U-P. We're posting a lot of different video content on there that you guys don't get when you listen to this podcast. If you want to watch a video version of the podcast, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel, subscribe. We do appreciate it. And if you do listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it is, do make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that whenever a new episode comes out, it automatically downloads to your phone or wherever you listen, as well as download an episode if you have not yet done so. And uh, give us a review. I did see a new one come in there. I want to give it a quick shout out because we did get a new review. I asked for it in the last one. And you know what? Maybe this will get people leaving more if I actually do shout them out because I feel like in the past we never did. But shout yeah. out to Polygot. And he said, I have loved listening to Mark and James waste my time on Mets news, but I love it. Super excited about the 2023 Mets season. Keep up the great work, guys. I made the Mets batting order based on your guys' foolish nicknames. So uh, I don't know if I can read all these, but he's got a lot of the great ones. Mark Cheerios, Eduardo Escobams, MVP, Marte Parte, the ones that you guys know. Yeah. And again, if you guys leave a review and it's like funny and not inflammatory in any way, like we will read it. We will shout you out, especially if it's funny. If you like make fun of us, roast us, roast John, roast anybody. Yeah. Anybody on the podcast? We're down. We're down. Just try, give us some reviews, especially if they're good ones. We appreciate it. But uh, we'll wrap up this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.